So, no Super Bowl for the Tennessee Titans, no trip to Miami for all of us in January, but the continued coverage on the 615 Sessions podcast is brought to you, as always, by our friends at TennesseeTickets.com. No hidden fees, not like Ticketmaster, StubHub, any of those other price-gouging websites that would take advantage of you lovely people. Promo code AZ10, $10 off, TennesseeTickets.com for all of your sporting event and concert needs. Back by no one's demand, but our own and from the home office here in beautiful Elizabeth Park, frigid Nashville, Tennessee. It is the 615 Sessions podcast brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. John Glennon of The Athletic at Glennon Sports on Twitter is where you find Johnny G back for his return trip to tour the Reverend Shed. It's been waiting on you, John. It's It looks beautiful. Has he? Have, have you done some work on that? Has he done some work on it? I think the, the I, shed looks better than ever. I took I took a, a great deal of care to make sure that it was properly insulated. Uh, in fact, I thought about doing the podcast out there, but the, the, the lack of door, um, there's animals inside. But, but there is a door. It's just the fact that it's only about a foot above the ground. It's clearly built for creatures uh, not of regular human size. I'm not going to test it because we may have a gremlin situation. <laughs> Kayla Anderson, WKRN News 2. You can find her on Twitter at Kayla Anderson. Uh, TV. At Kayla Anderson TV. Forgive me on that appreciate you making your 615 debut what a girl yeah god it took a while (laughs) i had to i had to beg buck to be on this podcast because i heard it was such a hot commodity and i was like all right i mean you gotta represent here i had to pay money i had to pay a large sum of money i don't have money i i know i know listen we are all drowning in all the riches (laughs) that sports media have for us uh but no this is uh it's good to get different groups of people yeah. as always and johnny has been uh johnny has been peer pressuring me <laughs> into bringing him back for a tour of the shed not to be on the podcast yeah simply. i just oh. i just wanted to see the shed again but this is this is gravy right here being on the pod this i appreciate is, that this is a part of the tour so yeah. we are going to talk about the thing that we witnessed in kansas city on sunday and that was the end of the 2019-20 Titans. We're going to put a bow on the season. We'll talk a little bit about the game itself, some larger themes that we took away from this season, and then transition to a little bit of uh, puck talk because it is hockey season in Nashville. For me in particular, and we will uh, we will get a quick overview of what the Predators look like in the middle of their bye. So, the Iceman came and took the souls <laughs> of all parties involved uh, for Tennessee. One of the most unlikely runs, I think, of any NFL team this year. When you look at the teams that made it into the Super Bowl, I think it's ultimately the matchup that everybody not from Nashville wanted to see. Uh, and so rarely do you get the two best teams, but it looks like that's what it's going to be. Meanwhile... Um, there's a ton of questions, but in this game, they weren't able to stop Patrick Mahomes. It seems just the difference being the fact that he was able to run in this one versus week 10 when he was on a bad leg. 
Yeah, I. that's the biggest thing, Buck. And that's what we pretty much witnessed the greatness of Patrick Mahomes in front of us again. I mean, we all saw what he could do in that first game when he came to Nashville, but he was coming off of being injured. That was his first game back. He still threw for over 400 yards in that game, but then on Sunday in the AFC Championship game, we clearly saw how deadly he can be in both aspects. And the run game with him being able to buy time and get out of situations was simply incredible. And what I took from it is he was not going to let that team lose. I, I would agree with you. You know, I, I think I think that also put an awful lot of pressure on the Titans offense too. Mm-hmm. You know, the Titans offense, as good as it been as, as it's been, wound up in a situation where they felt they had to score a touchdown almost every possession in order to uh, to stay competitive with the Chiefs. And it started out great. Yeah. The Titans couldn't have asked for a better start getting up, you know, 17 to 7 on these guys. They were able to dictate play, they were able to play their style of game. But yeah, in, in the end the Titans weren't able to score on virtually every possession, and you're right; they just could not find an answer to to Mahomes and company. You know, if they stopped Travis Kelsey, you know, it was Sammy Watkins, it was Tyreek Hill, uh, Damian Williams. You know, one one player after another, there were just too many too many weapons for Kansas City for the Titans to handle, and that you know will probably lead us into the to an off season here at some point. What do the Titans need? Well, I, I think clear answer number one is an ability to get after the pass rusher more. We, yeah. we, it couldn't have been more evident than it was in Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes had so much time to either throw the ball or run the ball was just was just deadly. He, they were getting decent push early uh, in the middle of uh, the Titans' defense. Jarrell Casey and Jeffrey Simmons were bothering him to a degree. Mm-hmm. I think that's why they were able to control the game a little better. And then they just got tired because when he's dropping back, as much as he is, it's going to wear you down, especially in those conditions. And when they were drop, when Rashawn Evans was not on the field, because and we'll talk about the retirement yeah. of Dean Pease, but as Dean Pease alluded to in his press conference yesterday, they had a lot of guys more injured than I think we may have known. Rashawn- Can I chip in on that? Absolutely. Really quick, as I was coming out of the locker room, as everybody was going to the bus, Rashawn Evans and Khalif were the last ones to load the bus, and we got stuck behind them taking everything off from the ceremony. So I was sitting there right by Khalif and Rashawn, and Khalif goes, hey, man, how you feeling? And he goes, well, I went and got an X-ray, so I have to wait on the results. So there you go right there. Rashawn Evans with the foot. Probably more serious than we thought. And then because what you're talking about with the pass rush, when Rashawn Evans wasn't on the field during that game, they were dropping Harold Lander into coverage yeah. and immediately taking away what and any advantage that they might have had to that degree. Yeah, and, and I think what you talked about too, that initial push they had from, from the interior of the defensive line, I, I think the Chiefs wore that down throughout the game, not only because they, they forced so many pass rushes, but because when they ran the ball, they were running wide constantly to the left, yeah. to the right, back and forth, back and forth. Those big 300-pounders were getting very tired by the end of the game, and, and I think that affected them too. You know, I, I think we were seeing some situations near the end where Patrick Mahomes was back there just waiting, you know, four or five seconds yeah. for receivers to come open, uh, you know, and, and it's tough enough to cover those guys with two or three seconds, let alone double that, and it was just – it was just too much for them to handle. Well, and the touchdown scramble for Patrick Mahomes, the <laughs> thing that started the run, I mean, it was incredible, but it seemed like it was really weird to watch back. Yes. Because they felt like, and I know he ducked a couple guys, but there just seemed like an unwillingness to square up and hit yes. him. Not as The angles seemed okay. They seemed like they had it covered up. 
And then he was just able to kind of will himself over at the end in a way that I was surprised by. It almost looked like in slow motion, like the Titans just were a step behind. And I don't know, again, if that was lack of effort, if it was just they were tired at that point. I mean, it wasn't like it was the end of the game by any means, but it did look like something was just different in terms of how he was able to get in. Yeah, I I agree. I think it was Harold Landry was the first one to have a shot at him from the back and just looked like he did have a bad angle, Mm -hmm. was a little too slow. And then I saw an an interesting uh, replay. I can't remember which analyst showed this the other day, uh, but very interesting replay when, when Rashawn Evans was coming towards Mahomes. Mahomes gave him one of those little head fakes, just looked and and Uh, gave him the briefest indication that he was looking at a receiver. Evan slows down for just a second, which is enough for for Mahomes to get around the corner there. And then I still don't understand exactly what Tremaine Brock was doing oh, at the five-yard line. I hate looking back at that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's one thing to try and strip the ball in addition to making the tackle. Mm-hmm. But Tremaine Brock seemed to have nothing on his mind but, but trying to strip the ball at the five-yard line. You know, he nearly got it. Mahomes did bobble the ball. But, you know, uh, it came right back to him and he scored a touchdown. Yep. you got to make sure to make that stop yep. there. Well, and so rarely, I mean, so rarely do those hero ball moments like he's trying to strip the ball. I mean, that's the kind of thing that I was, I was curious to see if there would be anything that got them out of doing what they had done so well to get to this point was simply doing what they were at being, what was being asked of them. Yes. Not doing too much. Yep. Like Josh Kalou found something in that first game that he was able to pick up on with the cadence on the special teams unit for Kansas City, and he was able to block a field goal because of it. But would they be looking for more moments like this that would allow them to kind of do what Lamar Jackson did in the game against them, down two scores, play themselves out of a game? Stuff like that may may work on any other quarterback, but I've never seen anybody. That's a great point almost overthinking because what Dean Pease said and what was part of that Ravens win was he said, we all stuck to our assignment. The guy stuck to their assignment. Except Rashawn that one time he yes. blitzed him when he was supposed to strike. Right, clearly. <laughs> but, I mean, in this game, I felt like sometimes guys were almost trying to do a little too much, and we saw that in the instance of, again, of, of Tremaine Brock. Um, so that's a great point. I, I think that's a true statement right there. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I think when you look back at the regular season game between the Chiefs and Titans, too, uh, as exciting a game, as thrilling a game as it was, and, and, a, and a huge win for the Titans, of course, a lot of things went right in that in that Titans game, too. Mm-hmm. You know, we know about the, the Kalu block and the field goal, but let's not forget, just a couple minutes earlier, Kansas City had another field goal attempt, and they botched it completely, yeah. you know, bad snap, you know, throwing the pass away, and the Titans take over right there. And earlier in the game, too, fumble recovery Rashawn Evans picks it up goes 53 yards or so for a touchdown mm-hmm. so there were a lot of things that went right for the Titans in that game and they still barely held on to win yeah. I think this time around uh, you know as we mentioned the improved health of, of Pat Mahomes and the lack of mistakes by the Chiefs was was just too much sometimes you get overwhelmed and yeah. there's nobody that would argue that the Titans are a better football team than the Kansas City Chiefs it was a damn cool and impressive run to cover and to watch them go on but I mean this is this is uh, the guy this is the MVP last year for a reason Uh, and at some point I don't know how somebody with that kind of talent gets overlooked but Lamar Jackson looks a little more mortal uh, (laughs) coming off uh, a week watching Patrick Mahomes but let's talk about the way that they lost because they had to play 
outside of what their game plan had been in the first two games, having to chase the Chiefs. It takes you away from Derrick Henry, and when you get that kind of absence of second-half carries for him, you're going to have to play outside yourself. Ryan Tannehill asked to do a little more, and at that point, he wasn't able to. He just wasn't able to Mm -hmm. keep pace. Few people have been able to keep pace outside of the late touchdown to Ferkser. And the defense played better. Chris Jones did not look like he was very bothered out there. And Frank Clark, for all his talking, had a play uh, (laughs) that essentially ended the game when he sacked Tannehill uh, to uh, as uh, to for a turnover on downs. What now do you do if you get superhuman efforts like that from Derrick Henry in a contract year, in a year where you have to figure out whether you can pay him or not? If you get superhuman efforts from him in two games, it gets you as far as it did this season. But in a moment when you're asked to play outside what you do best, you're not able to keep up because of the nature of football in 2020 now. You can't keep up running the football with Derrick Henry. You can't waste the time uh, that the clock that you lose on the clock with every carry. What does that say about Henry? What does that say about Tannehill in a year where they're going to have to look at paying both? Well, I think for starters in that game, you could make an argument, uh, not a huge argument, but but a small one that they did leave Derrick Henry a little bit too early. Uh, you know, I think that was that was a complaint from a lot of fans that you know, what about Derrick Henry? Derrick Henry. Well, to be honest, they they kept going with Derrick Henry for a, a pretty long time, mm-hmm. uh, and he was the Chiefs' defense just got better and better. I think you know well, there was one situation where the Titans had a first and five, ran Henry. I I think two or three times in a row, couldn't pick up that first down, which is ridiculous to think about. The The issue that I had uh, is when they were down 28-17, to 17, uh, the Titans have the ball 11 points down, not, not a terrible uh, deficit, still just a few seconds into the fourth quarter, and immediately they went away from Derrick Henry right there. They went four passes in yep. a row. Now the first one was a first down, Corey Davis, Three in a row passes after that, nothing. They end up minus yards, and they have to punt. When they get the ball back next, it's 35-17 midway through the fourth. There's no thought yeah. of Derrick Henry at that point. Um, but in, in response to what you said, Buck, you know, it's not only the superhuman efforts of those last two playoff games, but let's think about the last six or seven regular season games that he did as much as he could to, to carry this team into the playoffs. Uh, you know, and, and as we've talked about uh, several times, there's certainly that fear of, of committing big-time money to a running back, and it's a logical fear based on what some of the top running backs have done recently with their big-time contracts. They hit that wall at some point, and your money doesn't look so good when they're having subpar years just a year or two into that huge contract. So there is that fear. Now, do you do you look at Derrick Den- Henry and say, this guy is different than, than everybody else? This guy is 6'4", 250 pounds, runs for 60, 70-yard touchdowns all the time, rarely, if ever, gets hurt by a tackle. We've seen him pull muscles, but rarely, if ever, gets hurt by a tackle. Is he different enough that you say, all right, we're going to take that chance. You're the guy that's going to make all those other contracts look different. We're going to pay you for three or four years. I think if you don't make a commitment to Derrick Henry, and again, we talked about this the other day, I think there could be riots in the streets uh, of Nashville. This, this, you know, understandably, this fan base loves Derrick Henry, not only superhuman efforts, 
you know, he's an Alabama guy. He's, a, he's an SEC star. He's the Heisman Trophy winner. And how do you turn your back on a guy who just won the rushing title? You know, uh, it's, a, it's a very, very tough call. I think what we may see eventually is a situation where the Titans choose to, to franchise or transition Derrick Henry. That way you, you know you're bringing him back for a year, uh, maybe two years if you do it two in a row, but you're not necessarily tossing the huge yep. money three or four years down the line I would agree with you on just more so that aspect instead of giving them all the money we've seen with what they've done with running backs uh with other teams paying them and then they go on and can't really live up to Zeke what looks they are super expected. mortal he doesn't he look mortal <laughs> I know Gurley, I mean, David you Johnson. can name him right you just keep on naming him but here's the thing Derrick Henry also has a a different story because the first two years I was here covering the team uh, Derrick was like non-existent I mean we all saw he was on the trade block he, last year yeah he was on the trade block and it's not like he was doing anything for this team and then he clicked it into gear towards the end of last season and then he's been able to really be that consistent back that physical back that everybody was expecting him to be and I liked the thing that you had mentioned about the injuries I always always pay attention to just the injury background the health of any type of player right because as we've seen with some of these guys they are, they're never going to recover they're always going to be that injury prone guy he has nothing like that except for a little you know aches and pains pulled pull muscles, muscles or whatever yeah. he's been pretty pretty good in terms of that so I feel like you have to keep him at this point I mean for what he's done and and the team clearly looks at him as a leader in many ways I think you have to keep the guy he's definitely different from a variety of aspects um in terms of how much more and it's not certainly not in front of us but you see him in the locker room and he seems more comfortable yeah interacting with teammates <laughs> Which, not, not, not media <laughs> not us I was gonna but wait, you've caught him on good days once in a while yeah. Right? Well, I, <laughs> yes. he laughs. No, he. Listen, I have not had bad experiences media-wise with Derrick Henry one-on-one. In the scrums, yeah. it's a little different. Yeah. On the scrums, it's a little. It's a little less. Uh, less happy to be there. <laughs> yes. uh, and I, you know, I can understand those things, and we could talk about that in all honesty. But like from an aspect of his, how he interacts with the team. Mm-hmm. You see him in these NFL f- film clips after the Chiefs games, talking or in training camps with the whole "Why not us?" Like he's definitely a more vocal presence, and it's because they know that they're built around him that they pay attention to what he does. And I think Vrabel <laughs> has done a good job of kind of making him aware of that fact, because there's mm-hmm. no question, uh, it, in at least in terms of team, that's a more that's a more extroverted player than I remember him being. And he's a different player from a running standpoint. Like yeah. there is no more side to side, uh, searching too often for the sidelines, finesse style <laughs> of running. Derrick Henry understands <laughs> what you've just said, John, is that he's six four, two hundred and fifty pounds, and that he pulls away from people regular with regularity. It's not even it's not even the violence when he gets through the line, because he's not really running through dudes face masks mm-hmm. it's the fact Marshawn that he, Lynch it's, it's, yeah. it's, yeah. Channel, Marshawn Lynch there <laughs> what's the quote John <laughs> it's MFI I can't say I can't say that so but. uncomfortable run <laughs> through a motherfucker's face oh, like there you go. this is no regular podcast the best quote in the history of sport yep how do you how do you how do you maintain that physical running style when you just run through a mother's <laughs> face Derek Henry not necessarily doing that 
Derrick Henry gets to the line, is able to make these dudes miss because they don't take good angles on him. It's tough to take a good angle Mm -hmm. on a player that size. And then the violence is in the stiff arm, the thing that we see every day at practice with the helmet on the sticker that we have seen every day at practice. And then the unique ability with that, that breakaway speed for a dude that size, it's lethal. Just playing devil's advocate, though. I mean, <laughs> here comes the buck we know. <laughs> just, just playing devil's advocate. I mean, these are the conversations that we'll have over the course. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't pay the guy. I'm just saying that there are reasons to be cautious because at what point does the breakaway speed fail? It's not necessarily something because he's not like any – I don't think there's a precedent for a dude like that. I don't think in, in sports we have seen a player who Nick Saban – recruited as a pass rusher decided no I want to be a I want to be a running back and now that he's figured it out is playing at a level that we that literally hasn't been seen in NFL history three consecutive 180 yard plus performances it's just that guy mm-hmm. but how much how much and for how long I guess is the question and Johnny you you wrote at the athletic and you can go check it out at theathletic.com well worth your subscription for Joe Rex Road John Glennon Adam Vingan David Ubbin and Mitch Light uh, our friend from Athlon Sports who is now uh, taking over as your guys's editor mm-hmm. here in Nashville you wrote about this and their interesting offseason for theathletic.com outside of just Derrick Henry is it immediately Ryan Tannehill, or are there other things that you're looking at as the the kind of stuff that could fundamentally alter who they are as a team? Yeah, it's it's a fascinating off season. I think we're going to see for the Titans because as you look at things now, 18 out of the the 53 players on the on the active roster are going to be unrestricted free agents, or, or could be unrestricted free agents come March. That's you know over one third of the roster. It's 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 uh, crazy to think about. Um, and what's interesting too is that as these guys get signed, they may impact whether other guys get signed or not too. If you sign a Ryan Tannehill first for big bucks, does that impact a Derrick Henry or a Jack Conklin or a Logan Ryan? Maybe. Now the Titans do have a lot of money under the cap. They've probably got about six fifty five or sixty million dollars under the projected cap right now. They can add to that by by releasing some of the veterans maybe that they don't see as part of the future. You know, perhaps that's Delaney Walker, perhaps that's Deion Lewis. Uh, you know, there's some other guys as well. Um, but yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a very tough call. I think, you know, and I, and I wrote about this after the game. This has to be as as good a feeling for Titans fans, feeling about this team as they have in a long, long time. And to me, the the biggest reason is because for the first time in, in however long I can remember, there is offense. There is regular, consistent, productive offense. Offense. I don't hate watching them anymore, John. Exactly, it's so nice. You know, to it, not hate Sundays. It was it was the fourth nine and seven season in a row, but this one was so much different. Oh in my, in God, my opinion, yes. uh, not only because they played so well down the stretch, but it was no longer a situation where it's hey, if we can just get to twenty points, maybe we can hold on and win another game. These guys averaged thirty points per game over the last ten regular season games. So if you can keep the the new Titans triplets, if you will, together, mm-hmm. if you can keep Tannehill, Henry, and of course there's going to be A.J. Brown uh, together, you know, I, I think that, that really sells. 
and maybe you know market has to play into this a little bit too this is still not a big big fan base i think you know certainly they put their brand out there a little bit more during this postseason but if you're trying to build a fan base if you're trying to fill nissan stadium you know more than it has been in years past here's what sells winning number one but but a very close second entertainment yes you know when when you can put up 30 points a game uh when you're when you're throwing for touchdowns when derrick henry is running 60 yards for touchdowns when he's throwing for touchdowns when derrick henry is throwing jump passes this is what people you know love to see well and you mentioned you know henry throwing for pat you gotta you gotta like give props to vrabel and his staff uh just arthur smith for really being versatile in the way that they do things in the way they run this offense especially in the red zone because the red zone was unreal this season the numbers were great it it was incredible to see you know that greg joseph didn't kick a field goal in four games i mean he kicked his first one in kansas city that's almost like and they lost and they lost you greg joseph it was on greg joseph it was on greg joseph and the assertion of dominance in a playoff game (laughs) but i just love the way that they mix things up on offense yeah derrick henry was the king but Ryan Tannehill was able to distribute to so many guys. I mean, we saw the emergence of Jonu Smith this year, which was incredible. I mean, he went to Ferkser a lot. Khalif Raymond. These are names that people had to literally look up after some of these games and say, who is this? Yeah. No, that's cool the way to see that they got a lot out of everybody on the roster. Like, I do take them at their word now when they're talking about versatility being something that they value when you have a fullback that can moss uh, Will Compton, which we'll, we will forever remind Will Compton about on this podcast. Um, and guys like Ferkser, who are practice squad, and Raymond, who you can trust to catch 45-yard touchdowns mm-hmm. in playoff games and in the red zone because for every – I think he threw a touchdown pass Tannehill did to – uh, Ferkser and Janu won in each playoff game, if I have yeah. that correct. No, because you're right. the only touchdown pass he threw in that Patriots game was to Ferkser, and that was a bullet. And I think Anthony Ferkser might have the best hands on he, the team. He does. I think there's a fair argument <laughs> to be made. I, though, I think that the biggest thing, because Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill are what they need to do to keep the fans engaged and to keep the bulk of the product offensively uh, on the field next year. But Dean Pease and Kerry Coombs not being on the staff next year, I think matters a lot. It does. Because the best thing that they have in the absence of this pass rushing talent or lockdown defender in the backfield necessarily, I mean, you can make the argument for Bayard, but in a perfect world, a safety is not even involved in the play. There's a reason it's called the safety. Mm-hmm. I... That's right, Johnny. Look at that. Nailed it. Nailed it. Dropping knowledge. Dropping knowledge. Listen, (laughs) all of the football terms. I think that they are going to – and maybe maybe you'd like what you've seen from Vrabel as a coach in the growth and the decision-making because even in this season we saw it get better and him make better decisions that didn't affect negatively uh, the result for the team. Maybe you trust him with a less experienced – Defensive coordinator, but that was literally, I mean, it's the its the brains and probably the soul of the defensive coaching staff in Pease and Coombs. Now you lose that experience, and how do you go, how do you go about replacing the knowledge that guys like that can provide when you're trying to do things to confuse Tom Brady and Lamar Jackson? Here, I just talked to a 
a former Ohio State player. I have a podcast and, and for college football, and we talked today. Press Pass Pod. There we go. Check Drop it out, it rate, in. review, and subscribe. Yeah, exactly. Got you, dog. Plug away. <laughs> Joshua Perry played for Ohio State, played under Kerry. Um, there's a reason why Kerry not only can coach at the college level, but the NFL level, as we saw, because he has that much relatability, and he is a football all the time guy. And we were able to see how much. Uh, I guess, influence he had on this secondary. His secondary loved him. And I think that's rare, too. College coaches can't always transition to the NFL the way that he did. It's a different style of managing people. It is. But he, like, the football knowledge is is there. He lives, breathes, eats, sleeps, and drinks a lot of coffee when it comes <laughs> to, to being able to be as good as he is. But I think that for the, that's going to be a huge loss there. But Dean Pease, man, Dean Pease is a legend in my eyes. Covering him for two seasons, I felt blessed as a reporter because I wrote, I tweeted this out yesterday. He would talk in those sessions after Vrabel, like where we had availability. I'd just sit and listen to him talk about, you know, how he was preparing for teams, um, just his players. And I just got caught up in just everything Dean said because everything he said, I felt like I soaked in. And I'm a reporter, I'm not a coach. <laughs> But I felt like I was always. You've got wheels. Something. You've got some good wheels, though, is my understanding. He does. You could, no, you do. Oh, you probably, I do. Yeah. I, I thank you. There's still, there's still oil. I got to oil them every day. Can you, uh, can you return punts though? Because Dean Pease can. <laughs> yeah, oh hell right. yeah! <laughs> I'm a lot more athletic than I look. All right. <laughs> All right. We're gonna have to take. We're gonna have to make a test of this. We will run. Uh, we will run some uh, athletic drills out by the shed after the pod. Stay tuned. <laughs> um, yeah. Were you, were you gonna say something? No, Doctor? I was just gonna. I. I don't know. I I did I did very much enjoy being able to cover Dick LeBeau and then Dean Pease. That's yeah. really, really unique in mm-hmm. terms of guys who have been a big part of NFL history and Super Bowl winning and how much time they've spent around guys like Brady and Belichick and Nick Saban as Dean Pease's resume is littered with that kind of wealth of knowledge. But to be able to cover somebody who, you know, I mean, they, they have a lot of they have a lot of good people, I think, I would say, on the whole on that staff. Mm-hmm. But Dean Pease, like, there's a legitimate care you hear in his voice. And he's talked a lot to us about being a high school teacher and how he teaches from the front of the classroom so he can look at guys' eyes rather than sitting behind at the desk with the clicker like mm-hmm. a lot of these coaches do. Um, that's unique. Also, how much he's able to connect with dudes yeah. uh, that there's such an age disparity with, like Kevin Byard and Rashawn Evans and all, and Wesley Woodyard, who's a, a more advanced football age. They all vibe with Dean Pease in a way that you don't necessarily – I mean, it's, it's, it's uncommon to be able to find that. So how do you go about replacing him? Yeah, you, you obviously you're going to look, uh, you know, pour through the NFL, uh, you know, coaching charts and so forth to try and find someone – who has similar ideas, who executes a similar system to Dean Pease, because certainly I think the scheme works for, for this bunch of guys. Uh, um, you know, I, I think there is a need for a pretty good dose of experience in that role because the rest of the coaching staff on, on defense, there's not a ton of, of NFL experience there. So, you know, I, I hesitate to think that maybe this is a first-time guy in that job or, you know, maybe a guy who's only even had a year or two of experience as a D, D coordinator. I think they need a little bit more seasoning there. On the other hand, you know, the, the two veteran names that are, that are the biggest free agents, if you will, right now that come out, um, you know, Wade, uh, Wade Phillips – 
and uh, and Romeo Cornell are sort of the, the the big names now. I think perhaps they're a bit too seasoned. That's yes, a lot I, of seasoning. I agree. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a high degree yep. of seasoning. At, at Even some for point. a sixty-two-year-old such yeah. as yourself, uh, <laughs> I'm not sixty-two. Disclaimer, uh, Paul Kowarski. Chief, uh, um, chief. But uh, yeah, I, I think there has to be something in between because at some point, you know, you've had LeBeau for two years, you've had Pease for two years, and at some point, you need a DC who is probably not two years away from retirement or yeah. so you need to, someone who, who is more uh, committed you know maybe whether it's four or five years or whatever mm-hmm. uh, so I, I think that is an order I, I'm not sure that that Phillips or Cornell are the are the ways to go in that order and one other point I, w- I was going to make on, on Kerry Combs who I, yeah I thought uh, did an excellent job too as well but it was interesting hearing some of the guys uh, talk yesterday uh, and it was almost like they appreciated his ability to motivate and his his energy almost as much, if not more, than necessarily the X's and O's mm-hmm. uh, they got from him. Um, you know, a lot of the guys were talking about, as you said, the high energy with the 20 cups of coffee a day, and he's drinking coffee in the saunas to, to start the Amazingly start the white teeth for as much yeah. coffee as that man is <laughs> That's a very good point. Dentist? I need to oh, find out. Yeah. yeah, you know, the kind of guy who's cranking out push-ups and sit-ups yeah. before every practice. Uh, he is closer to the age of 62, far than, than, than myself, as a matter of fact. But Oh, now Johnny's uncomfortable because oh. I took a shot at his age and people that's, don't know. That's right. I'm only 23, for God's sakes, Buck. You it's all right, buddy. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, you know, I, I don't think that's as big an X's and O's loss, talking about uh, uh, Kerry Coombs as, as certainly Dean Pease. That's going to be the big challenge. But uh, let's face it, Mike Vrabel has, has a great defensive mind, has a great defensive background. Mm-hmm. And I think he's, uh, you know, certainly earned a reputation as being a, uh, uh, a good guy to work under. We certainly haven't seen a flood of guys wanting to leave or mm-hmm. disappearing outside of Kerry Combs here in the last two years. Well, and the guy that took the job to be the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. That's a, uh, sure, I was thinking of the defensive side. Yeah. That's yeah, a difficult absolutely. thing. Yes. Just in, on the staff in general, that's a difficult uh, position to turn down. I think, though, that this has been an incredibly serious football podcast. And I think oh, that we can boy. either transition. We'll make, we'll make this a game-time decision. We can either talk about hockey in a bye week or – we can talk oh, about Kayla Anderson baby. karaoke. Yeah, right. I hear this I'm is a down. thing. It's a hidden talent. It's, it's a hidden talent, and yeah. this needs to be explored journalistically. Explain to me what exactly Kayla Anderson karaoke karaoke is. So when I was in high school, um, well, actually, let's take it back further. When I was in junior <laughs> high. I think I would just like I, I'm like a, I would be a sour shower singer, so I would always be singing. A in sour the shower, shower singer. A sour just... shower singer. Okay. I love music. She nailed that. I would not have had that right? confidence. Alliteration. <laughs> um, I love music, you guys, in all genres. And when I was growing up, my parents listened to a lot of different types of music. Uh, I had heard that my mom, when she was pregnant, she listened to a lot of Michael Jackson. And so I came out kind of like R&B. Groovy. groovy. <laughs> yeah. So I always had music like running through my, my veins, I feel like. But when I was in junior high, I'd, I'd always just be singing in the shower. And one day, I think my mom and dad were like, I think she can sing. Like This is... Like, I guess she can sing. So they put me in junior choir and I was like always in the back. You know, I I don't, I didn't like being like 
center of attention. And I still don't. I like being on TV because I like talking about I sports. I like being on TV outside but, of the but attention. It's, I don't like standing up in front of people and <laughs> giving understand. a speech. There's a difference, right? Yeah. So I would always kind of sit in the background or whatever. Well, in high school, they were like, we're putting you on in singing lessons. So I would go in every day after school and I would meet with this lady who would try to get me to read music. The hell with that. I could not read music. I was not going to put my time in. But I just could t carry. I could do the tunes. I could remember and, and carry, carry melodies. So I did that for about a year and a half until she pretty much told me to get out because I wasn't taking it serious. <laughs> and I would come in with my vocal cords ripped because I'd be screaming at the game the night before. There you go. So Cheerleader um, or fan? Dance team. But dance also team. just an avid fan of sports okay. as you know uh, but then I just would do you know in my first job in Alabama I'd go out every night Thursday Friday we'd go to the karaoke spot at three in the morning after the bars closed and I would get up on that thing and I would sing all night long yes and I mean I would yes. I would rip out song after song and it'd be like a religion for us to get out there and have me do karaoke after bar nights so Did Glennon you put brings this? this up because because why because there has been an, a witnessing of Kayla and there was a uh, there was, was a sighting not my best it was a sighting very early in the season and I have to give you credit for this because as a group of us were eating dinner that night which was in Denver I believe it was in Denver yes. uh, you know when we heard the 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 tales of of Kara, the legend uh yes kayla, uh, karaoke. Karaoke, kayla karaoke if you will and so we were pushing we have to see this it has to happen she's like look i'm a little under the weather i've got a you know i've got a <laughs> headache I, i've got got to be up ready early for the game so on and so forth but we just kept pushing we had yeah. to hear this finally she uh, she consents and and moments later we're out at this uh <laughs> random karaoke bar in the in the in the middle of nowhere and i'm thinking no wait a minute kayla is this tiny little person uh you know is she really and it's you know it's a fairly good sized room and a lot of people mixing mingling chatting and so forth is she really going to be able to to command the room and all of a sudden this voice <laughs> this voice comes out and and it's just a belting riveting type, uh, type, I, mean, uh, I would buy type my album voice. right now there yeah I've, I've i've still got the video from he that does. it was it was so impressive um, Black Velvet, yeah. uh, Alanis Miles, uh -huh. uh, um, outstanding, outstanding version. People just stopped talking. They stopped talking. They all looked like this. What what vision are we seeing up there? It was tremendous. And this was subpar, Kayla, this mind was. you. I wasn't drunk. Right. <laughs> I had no drinks in my That's body. It's a very important right? thing. If you're going to do karaoke, you have to be hammered. You got to have drinks flowing through you because then it's like I don't even think about it. There it is. Then I'm like the inner beast of Kayla comes out. <laughs> the inhibition. Kayla the yeah. Conqueror. There exactly. It is. The Viking. Well, it's, it's right. Yeah, she's got a Viking background. Well, we, we were hopeful, uh -huh. hopeful of seeing Kayla the Conqueror, Kayla the Viking, Kayla karaoke this past weekend yes. in Kansas City. Unfortunately... <laughs> So busy, yes. so so busy. Only getting what four or five hours yeah, uh, of sleep per night, exactly. Uh, and it was so bitter cold; no one wanted to go outside nope. uh, uh, any more than they did anyway. Uh, so we were a little disappointed not to not to get round. Well, why two can't we all Kayla round Oki. up people here in the media one night and do a media night? <laughs> that's <laughs> and we can do some karaoke. As, as long as you're the only one singing, I think everyone will well, agree JB to that. Well, JB can sing. 
JB yeah, J- did. JB yeah. sang that night as well. John Burton over yeah. there at Channel Five. Absolutely. See, this is this is the this is the reason why you guys come here. You don't come here for the actual football analysis. <laughs> you come to hear what we do on road trips when we all go to games. And I want to be a part of the karaoke. I cannot yeah. sing. If we could get your voice and her Ooh. voice together up there, some kind of a there would be duet. There would be some kind of sonic boom. Oh my goodness! I think he's madness in the low, streets. You know? Yeah. He's a crooner. It would be awful. It would be so bad, but it would be so much fun. And I think, I think we should, uh, I think we should endeavor, endeavor, yeah, to get a media karaoke uh, thing going. If not, if not here at home, because I feel like, uh, especially when it's cold, I don't want to leave the house. But <laughs> we could come here. We, we could do it from the. We could do it. We could do it from the shed. From the shed, live from the shed. Live from the shed. Kayla Oki. Okay. <laughs> I'm What's, on it. So is that the go-to song? That is like my go-to, but I got a funny story for you. Eddie George's wife sang for SWB. Yes. Great R&B group in the 90s Mm. that I love and still love. Um, I interviewed Eddie at the NASCAR Awards on the red carpet. Which is, of course, where you would interview Eddie George. Eddie, yeah. I mean, (laughs) what does Eddie not do show up at? No. I mean, it's like... It doesn't matter. He'll be there. All things Nashville. Yeah. So before he came on, I knew him from Ohio State. Uh, because he's up in Columbus a lot. Right. And I covered sports in Columbus for three years. But he didn't really recognize me, which is fine. I blend in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the disrespect. God, Eddie. Um, but before shade I just, in I the shook, house. <laughs> I shook his hand, I introduced myself, and I, and I mentioned a couple names up there. And he says, oh, yeah, yeah. I go, but really what I wanted to talk to you about before we were rolling yes. was I love your wife from, you know, I grew up listening to her music. And he put me on the spot, y'all. He said, all right, what's your favorite song? And instead of just saying it, I sang it. No! Did you really? You had the goods. Stones. And he sang with me. No! And didn't even know all the lyrics. I I did it. I sang more. At the NASCAR Awards. Boom! Wow. (laughs) Wow. You think you have the good video. (laughs) Strong. You thought the Kayla karaoke was going to be, why is there not film we need to get this out guess there. who was enrolling cal shade <laughs> cal baxter and we had several that's that's the, uh, the 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 dark side or the irony of all things is that we had several tv camera i think uh uh brian mckeegan was yes, there was. from channel five all kinds of tv people in the yeah. room only one video. Only one. This guy. We're, we're going to have to get it out there. It's good yeah. training yeah. By, from all of the useless video that we take at Titans practice maybe, on a regular basis. Maybe we can, you, can, you can work some of your millennial magic, and I can attach the video to your next podcast. Oh. Yes. Look at yes. your... See? Look at that. Johnny. A great 40-year-old mind. Yeah, that's right. John. 29, young lady. John, young lady. Over under of the age of the person who says young lady. Yeah. John Glennon. At Glennon Sports, The Athletic is where you read him. He has all of your Titans coverage, as well as our friends Adam Vingan, Joe Rexrode, David Ubbin, all who appear on this podcast. Greatly appreciate The Athletic uh, crew, as always, and well worth your subscription at theathletic.com. Johnny G, appreciate you, brother. Thank you, Buck. Appreciate him. Kayla Anderson, WKRN News 2, all of their... Uh, exhausting, it sounds, coverage, exhaustingly good coverage at WKRN at Kayla Anderson TV, press pass pod, rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Kayla, thank you. Thank you, Buck. That was fun. 
Thanks, guys. Karaoke sure. in the shed after this. Meanwhile, yes. you at home have to rate, review, and subscribe to the 615 Sessions podcast, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Five stars on those reviews. Four stars just makes you a hater. And if you have a question, you can ask it in the reviews with a five-star review. I will answer the question in the iTunes review mailbag at the end of every pod. We are going to continue all things 615 just because the football season is over does mean does not mean that the coverage will not continue here on the podcast. So make sure that you are staying tuned. We will be back with you on Thursday on the 615 Sessions podcast presented as always by A to Z Sports and a to Z Sports Nashville.com.